morning, church. Good to see you all here this morning. I was excited to get to church um, and to start this new series I'm going to begin on my favorite topic, my favorite topics, understanding faith and uh, dealing with fear and doubt, unbelief, those enemies of faith. Um, you know, my literally cut my teeth, if that's what the right term is, when I came to understand the truth of God's word concerning faith changed my life altogether. And uh, so that was 50 years ago. And so I'm, I'm loving it more and understanding more as I go along. Good to see you guys. All right, so are we ready? So um, understanding faith, fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, some of you haven't been at the Promised Church for more than five years. You've joined recently, you know, in the last year or two or three. Um, so because of that, you actually are unaware of Jackie's and my miracle that we have produced by faith in the last five years. It's the slowest miracle I've ever seen. <laughs> Usually miracles happen like, it. whoa, that's a miracle. But uh, it, it's, it's an ongoing miracle. And during these five years, um, I've learned so much more about faith. I, I really thought that I had a handle on it, that I knew how this thing worked. And, uh, you know, you get to that place where you kind of get blasé. Oh, yeah, I know that. Switch off. I've heard it before. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. I believe God brought you here today to hear something perhaps that you haven't heard and also to help you overcome what you're facing in your life. You don't have to raise your hand, but I can tell you now, everybody in this house is facing some kind of a challenge. We're dealing with things in our life. And uh, how do we overcome those things and get the victory? So as I share my journey, it's a story, as I share my story with you, I know that you'll gain understanding of how to deal with your situation and get the victory. I will be focusing on healing because that's the main thought. Of course, many of you here uh, could do with some healing. You need some healing. But there's other areas in your life that faith would be applicable and you need to uh, you know, get some answers in that. But I believe that what I share, the principles I share, will, will apply. You'll be able to apply these principles no matter what you're facing. So to begin, I'm going to ask you to look at Jackie. I'm going to have her stand for a moment. And there is your five-year miracle. In fact, it's more than a five-year miracle. I love her in a hat and her snazzy glasses, all matched out there. Good, good. All right, my love, you can be seated. That's all you get. <laughs> give, her the, give her the mic. <laughs> so, <clears throat> that's it. That's it. Okay. Um. For you to appreciate the miracle of Jackie and what she's gone through, you must know how sick she's been so that you can go from where she was to where she is. And so I'm going to take a moment and uh, go back in time. And uh, it's, not an ugly, it's an ugly picture, but you need to see it, all right? You need to see what we're doing. So we want to go back to 1999 where the problem first started, and she had a stroke, and she lost half of her brain. Can you see that picture for me, please? So this picture was taken um, in uh, China. We went to China for treatment. And when they did the uh, MRI on her brain, um, the doctors freaked. And they said, there's no way she can talk. There's no way she can walk. Um, I don't know how she's functioning because the white portion was the loss of brain. So it's gone. It doesn't exist. So, I mean, that is an amazing uh, uh, fact when you look at that, to see how far she has come. 
And since then, of course, as you know, we've traveled about 75 to 90 different countries after the stroke. And uh, all right, so thank you. You can take that down. Um, in the, Fast forward to 2019. 2019 was the worst year since the stroke because uh, she was diagnosed with an illness called Mycenae Gravis. We'll call it just MG for short. Um, MG attacks the muscles in your body that are under your control. Eyelids, throat, breathing, legs, arms. Any, any muscle that's under your control becomes weak. And the more you use it, the weaker it gets. So you can't exercise yourself out of this immune disease, autoimmune disease. Uh, you can use the muscle about six times and then it's gone. So if, you, if she chews her food too much, she won't be able to swallow because her tongue and her throat will no longer have any strength to swallow. You understand? Okay. So what happened is in that year, 2019, we spent 75 days in hospital facilities, medical facilities, uh, ER, in rehab facilities, and she also spent nine days on a ventilator, uh, a life support. Now, if you've never seen a life support, what it looks like, it's a shocking, shocking thing to see. I had never seen it. I have a picture for you real quick um, with all the instruments on her, and obviously the the machines are helping her to breathe. She cannot breathe on her own. So um, we honestly thought at that time she was gone. There was no way she's going to survive out of that. Well, thank you. You can take it down. Two days before this event, two days, we did not know it was coming. She had what they call my senior gravis crisis, which means she couldn't breathe and she couldn't swallow at the same time. Couldn't breathe, couldn't swallow. Two days before this, we were at home, and Jackie turned and said to me, the devil can scare us, but he doesn't control us. And those words were Holy Spirit spoken through her. Because we did not know what was coming. And those words sustained us through the devastating year of 2019 and moving forward. Now, when she had initially been diagnosed with MG, there was a number of other things going on in her body. She had AFib in the heart. You know what AFib is? When the heart race goes up and down, and some of you know, have experienced it, um, it's a terrible sensation. She also had asthma, which she'd actually had since she was 30 years old, but it flared up and became a major problem. She had high blood pressure, and she developed osteoporosis because they gave her high doses of prednisone steroid, which affects the bone density. And then while she was on the sedation, in the IV on propofol, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Fentanyl? Okay. A hundred times stronger than what? Than morphine. Okay. Did you get that? Okay. So uh, when she came off life support, um, she had cognitive issues. Uh, like someone who has severely, severely uh, Alzheimer's. So she couldn't retain information at all. You couldn't talk to her. She had a 90-second understanding, a window, one and a half minutes. And then she'd rotate and come back to what was said in that one and a half minutes. So you, you, you couldn't hold a conversation with her. She'd rotate, she was in the cycle, and she had fixation of thought. For example, she'd lie in the bed and she'd look up at the roof, and she'd be fixated on the light or some type of thing in the roof, and she'd just be staring at it. 
So it was a very difficult time. Um, God gave me wisdom to solve her AFib problem. And I'm not a medical doctor. But every time she went into AFib, they did, they did blood work constantly. Um, I noticed that her potassium level was low. And it wasn't, she wasn't retaining potassium. So even though they were giving her potassium, it wasn't being retained. And this was aggravating and causing AFib. So the doctors put her on blood thinners to stop a clot from forming in the upper chamber of her heart. Now, since she'd already had a stroke, uh, she was a prime, a prime candidate for yet another one because AFib causes that. Um, I'm not telling you to do this, but we, along with Cindy, decided by faith to stop the Eliquis blood thinner. She was bleeding out of her nose. She was bleeding through her pores of her skin. There was big holes in her skin. If you touched her skin, it just came off. We had to be very careful when we showered her or moved her because literally she was losing the outer layer of her skin. Um, she was too sick to go to rehab. They wouldn't take her back. At this time, you know, whenever there's a change, a shift change in a hospital, the nurses will come in and do a neurological evaluation of you. And they'll ask you, what's your name? Where do you live? Uh, you know, what's your date of birth? So they can establish where you are at. Of course, Jackie didn't know any of that information. Um, so they asked her, you know, what is your uh, date of birth? And she couldn't tell them. So on a lighter note, she, they said, well, what year were you? What year is your birthday? And she was quiet for a minute, and she said, every year. <laughs> so she, her brain still was able to solve that situation. By the end of 2019, she was on 21 opiates a day. And you know what happens when you get on opiates. You know the stories that are out there. She was getting injections in her back for pain because she was sleeping 20 hours a day. And although we were rotating her, there wasn't enough movement in her body to prevent the muscles from going into some type of spasm, which was very, very painful for her. So the doctor that was visiting us in our home to take care of her, uh, because we had a choice, we take her to a hospital ER, $2,000 by ambulance, or we pay for the doctor to come to our home, $500 a visit. So we brought the doctor to our home, and after a few times of visiting us, he said, listen, I think we need to step it up and go to morphine. Um, and he said, I'd like to offer you my services as the hospice doctor. <clears throat> so at that point, we decided uh, we weren't going to go on. Christina, were you working for us at that time? 2019? Yeah. So uh, I decided I was going to take her off the, the, uh, the opiates. We were having to change her twice a day during the night, sweating. She was swollen. They actually took her to the hospital, did MRI on her throat. They thought something had gone wrong. She was swollen that badly. So um, we decided to take her off. And I got her off in six weeks. I mean, that's a phenomenal miracle right there. Now, at this point, Jackie could not speak. Um, she didn't even know Cindy's name. When we went to the doctor... The doctor was trying to do a neurological evaluation, and he said, who's this? This is my daughter. What's her name? She didn't know her name. That will give you an idea of how sick she was. I'm going to show you a real quick picture of what her arm and her whole body actually looked like this. Would you show them the picture, please? Can you dim the lights? Can you dim the lights? Her whole body looked like that. And if you 
touched the skin too hard, it would just come off. Well, I could have shown you more pictures of open wounds, but I thought that would be enough. Thank you. Bring up the lights. Her right side, that's non-operative because it was affected by the stroke, began to swell. We tried to elevate the leg, but the edema swelled so much that her leg burst. Underneath the leg burst, and the edema was running out at such a level that we actually had to put a towel down to soak it up right behind the Achilles. I'm sorry I have to share all this with you, um, but I think it's important that you, um, that you understand what happened. So she began to heal by faith, and we're going to get into that in, in a minute. She began to heal by faith, and I want to show you another picture of her arm as we took her off the medications. Can you give the Lord praise? <clears throat> so I want you to come along this journey with me because you need to understand just in what condition she was and, you know, what we were trying to cope with. Now, Jackie is quite the negotiator. <laughs> she can negotiate, I promise you. <clears throat> Early in 2020, very next year, Holy Spirit gave her a picture of her future and in this picture she was in church standing and worshiping with you that's right yep yep which she's been doing if you've been coming to church she'll get up for 20 seconds or 30 seconds because she loves to worship god and she refuses to allow whatever's going on in her body to stop her worshiping god So the next day, when the time came for her to, to sit up on the side of the bed, I want you to just get a picture of this. It, she was in excruciating pain. So moving her in bed was very painful. We couldn't put any patches on her because we took the patches off, her skin would come off with it. So we had her sit on the side of the bed for 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Now she sits in church. For two and a half hours. Amen. And she would sit on the side of the bed and she would literally shake like this. And then her body would collapse to the side. 20 seconds. She was in that much pain. That's all she could tolerate. But I told her that it was necessary for her recovery that we do some exercise. And sitting on the side of the bed was the most exercise she could do. Just get her out of the bed, just sit on the side of the bed. And she kept saying, no, no, no. Like the only word she knew. No. So I reminded her of the vision the Holy Spirit had given her, of her future, of her standing, worshiping God, and so on. And she agreed. And she said, yes. That is my future, but it's not now. <laughs> Let me get back to bed. It's not now. My future is still coming. In 2020, she contracted COVID in this condition. So did I. So did Cindy. I'm not sure of Hain and Anya. All of us. The end of 20 December. We missed Christmas. We were all that sick. And she completely recovered without the vaccine with Cindy's concoctions that she was giving her, <laughs> including ivermectin. She gave her whatever it was necessary plus faith. And in two weeks later, she was completely healed in Jesus' name. So the principles I want to share with you over the next few weeks that resulted in Jackie being alive today, you can apply them in any challenge that you're facing. 
She is a living miracle of what we've been through. If you want to see a testimony, she's the testimony. If you want some faith, go to Jackie. Go talk to Jackie. If you're sick, go to Jackie and let her sneeze on you. Why was it important for you to be in church today? Two things. I want you to say this. If you'd put this up for me, please. The Holy Spirit is preparing me for my future. That's why you're in church right now. Holy Spirit is preparing me for my future, and Holy Spirit is preparing my future for me. Say that. Holy Spirit is preparing my future for me. All right. So let's start the teaching. Let's start the teaching, understanding faith. Number one, faith begins where the will of God is known. Until you know what the will of God is, you cannot have faith. You don't know what God's will is. How can you be asking him to help you if you don't know what his will is? You got to say, well, I don't know if God wants to help me. Doesn't matter what you're facing. And particularly if you're sick or a loved one is sick. In which case, you know, my first question was, is it God's will to heal Jackie? Now, understand something. I've been in healing ministry since the moment I got saved. I grew up in a church where miracles happen all the time. My very first sermon I ever preached, and I wasn't in ministry, was on healing. It's one of my favorite topics. And yet I had to ask this question, is it God's will to heal Jackie? And before you shout out the answer, yes, remember something. Doubt will come when you are facing a challenge, especially when medical science cannot help you. That's when you'll find out if you really have faith. See, most people believe in God. They believe in God. I mean, I know there's a, vast major, there's a vast crowd now that don't believe in anything. Just don't believe in anything. It's, just, it's crazy. I can't even watch the news. It's crazy, bizarre. They believe in God, but they don't believe God. There's a huge difference. You see, the devil believes in God, but he doesn't believe God. If you believe God, it means you have faith in God. But simply believing that God exists is not faith. And many Christians are in that condition where they, I, I believe God, I believe God, until you have to deal with a major issue. See, Every person who calls himself a Christian, if you had to ask them this question, do you believe God can heal the sick? They'll say, yes, all things are possible with God. Of course he can heal the sick. But you see, that's not faith. That's not faith. See, the real question is, do you believe God wants to heal you? When it becomes personalized, that's when you're, wait a minute, I know he wants to heal somebody else, but I'm not sure if he wants to heal me. And that's where you are, and that's where you're living in doubt and unbelief, okay? So if my faith is going to appropriate the gift of healing provided through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross, then I have to believe not that God can Heal, but that he will yes. heal. Everybody believes God can because he's God. The question is, will he? And if you have any doubt, it's impossible to have real mountain-moving biblical faith. And we're going to get into that. And therein lies the dilemma that I went through. Because I was vacillating between faith and doubt, between fear and unbelief, 
These were emotions that I was experiencing. And listen, I'm being vulnerable with you. I'm sharing what I went through. First of all, as your pastor, it's good for you to know, um, you know, that we, I, Jackie, our family, have to believe God just the same as you have to believe God. There's, I don't have a special, you know, corner to the market of heaven where he goes, okay, okay, Henry, you know, you, you know I just, I'll treat you differently. You know, after all, I called you a ministry. You don't have to worry about it. I'll just, I'll just do it for you. But the rest of the sheep, no, they have to believe. No, no, it didn't work that way. So look at James 1 and verse 6. James 1 and verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Everybody say, with no doubting. No doubting. Ask in faith. No doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So any doubt causes you to become double-minded, and that will defeat you every time. It is not okay just to have a little doubt. I will share some of the stories that I shared Bible college with you. It's important. So I'm going to throw everything into the pot, okay? Those in Bible school, when I start telling the story, don't tell the people what the answer is, okay? So 13-year-old son says to his mom, um, all my friends are getting together and we're having a party and we're going to smoke some pot, some weed. She said, oh, no, you're not. No, no, it's a gateway drug. You're not going to do that. She said, it's not. We're okay. It's just a little bit of weed. We're fine. We'll be okay. She said, no, you're not. Not going to do it. So what she did, she invited all the friends to her house and she made her famous hot brownies and she brought and the kids all loved her brownies so she said okay let's uh we're gonna eat up i just want to let you know before we start that i took just a little bit of doggy poop and put it in the mix so there's just a little bit of doggy poop in it but otherwise it's just a little otherwise go ahead and eat and they went "Ooh, no can't do that so here it is just a little doubt. Just a little doubt spoils the whole thing. You got it? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> doubt is going to show up under stress. That's when it's going to happen. Everything's going fine. You're not going to have a problem. So a college student was delivering a, a speech on the law of pendulum to his class. And what he did is he got a four-foot string, attached a little weight to it, put it on a pivot on a blackboard, and then began to swing it. And as he swung it, he marked where the pendulum swung to. And as the pendulum slowed down, the arc got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. He kept marking it all the way down to where it stopped in the center. So he said that proves the law of pendulum that every time pendulum swings, unless it's pushed again, the arc will diminish. It'll get less and less and less and less. So he asked the students and the professor, how many believe this to be true? And they go, yeah, we've just seen it. Yeah, we believe it to be true. So he said, okay. He asked the professor if he'd participate in a little exercise. He put the professor against the wall, and this time he took a much bigger weight and a rope attached to the roof of the classroom. He had the professor stand against the wall and he brought this big weight up to the professor's face and then he let it go. So it went away from him and as it came back to him, the professor dived out the way. See, here's the thing. He said he believed in the law of pendulum. He actually saw it working. But when the test came, 
and he was under the stress of getting his face smashed, not so much. I don't know that I really believe it. And see, that's what we have to deal with. We can say we believe the word. We can say we believe by the stripes of Jesus we heal. We can say that if I give, it shall be given back to me. But the proof of the pudding is when your back is against the wall and you now have to do it by faith. And you've got to say, okay, I believe it. Go ahead, swing the pendulum. Now, I want to share with you the law of first response. The law of first response. This is very, very, very important. Very important. The law of first response is how, and I will, I will pick this up a little later. I don't know if I'll get there today. Um, it is how you respond to bad news. The law of first response. Come with me, please, to Philippians 1.28. Out of the Amplified Bible and reading. <clears throat> and do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponent and adversary. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, a proof and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. Notice you're being watched. You're being watched by the spirit world. You're being watched by demons, and you're being watched by angels. Demons cannot read your mind. They have to wait for you to react. And Based on your reaction, they know whether they push the right button or not. Okay? For example, if Satan brings somebody into your life that irritates you to the point of offending you, makes you mad, and you respond with unforgiveness and anger, Satan now knows, demons now know, get these people around them. Bring more. Bring more people like that's going to irritate them. And then the person will start to say stuff like, I can't believe how many people just irritate me. Well, you, you're the one who started it. You understand where I'm coming from? You're the one who started it. So here... Paul says, do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated. Not for a second. Not for a moment. When I walked into the hospital room after they had put Jackie on the ventilator, it knocked my breath away. Hayne and I were there. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. She was submitted during the day from the ER, and they rushed her upstairs when she had the crisis. And uh, we thought, he said, we'll put you on a, on a ventilator. I thought, okay, no problem. Something to help her breathe. When I walked in and saw her in that condition with all the pipes on her and this thing going down her throat, I freaked. I go, what is this? I can't believe what I'm staring at. And she's completely in an induced coma, pretty much. And you see, it, that was the point where not for a moment was I to give way to what I saw or heard, the information that was being put into my senses. Not for a moment. I had to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. In Jesus' name, she's healed. And not receive it. The, the problem is that I was so shocked by what I saw that I had great difficulty trying to stand at that moment. It's weak. I, 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 was, I mean, it's hard to explain when you see something. And the same thing is true if you've received really bad news. If you receive really bad news, it takes your breath away, and you have to make a decision. How am I going to respond to this? Do not be frightened or intimidated. 
Paul says, your consistency and fearlessness. Your consistency and fearlessness. You have to be consistent in the middle of the storm. And you have to be fearless in the middle of the storm. Joshua is told to be courageous and fearless. That's how he was told to go into battle. There was going to be battles that Joshua was not going to know how to cope with. And there's going to be battles in your life that you're not going to know how to cope with. But I'm telling you up front, up front, when you hear the bad news, dig your heels in and not for a moment give your enemy any place. Do not. The Bible says resist the devil. Do not give him any place. And that's where it is. Because if you step into fear, your faith's gone. It's gone. Number two. Are we doing okay? Can you handle a little more? All right, for the three of you. Number two. Faith expects God to do His will. Faith expects God to do His will. In 1 John 5, 14... Scripture says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, and there it is. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. See, that's where a lot of people fall down. Because they don't know the will of God. So they didn't know, well, is it according to His will or not? And so when I had to go and pray for healing for Jackie and stand in the gap, I had to know what the will of God was. And I'm going to give you a few minutes on that before we close for today. Pray according to His will. God's going to answer you. He hears you. When you pray according to His will, He hears you. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we've asked of Him. We know. So in other words, point number four and point number three, faith has to be based on the Word of God alone. The Word of God is the will of God. And faith cannot operate, there cannot be faith, until you find Scripture that will support your need, whatever it is you're facing. You have to find a scripture that said God's will is for you to have this, whether it's healing, relationships restored, whether it's financial uh, problems restored. You have to find a scripture because the scripture is the will of God for you. Until you have a scripture, you have nothing to base your your faith on. So let's have a look at healing. Just for a few minutes, I want to cover some healing scriptures Going back to the Old Testament, the very first redemptive name of God revealed in Scripture is Jehovah Rapha. And it is, I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord, your physician. The very first name of God in Hebrew is Jehovah Rapha. It was revealed to Israel when they came out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Symbolically, Egypt was the bondage of sin and slavery that everybody is in until they they go through Passover, the sacrificial lamb, receive salvation. Then they go through the Red Sea, which is water baptism. And then when they come out on the other side, there is the cloud waiting for to cover you by day and by night, which is Holy Spirit baptism. That's how it works. And when they came out of the Red Sea, God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, and every single weak person, there may be up to 4 million people, were healed. When they came out of Egypt, they were all healed. Jehovah Rapha revealed himself as the healer. And his names have not changed. We know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And he's not the Lord that did heal you or the Lord that used to heal you, you know, Or I was the Lord that heals you, but not anymore. No, no. Listen to Psalm 103 verse 2. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Bless the Lord. How? Praise God from my soul. Listen to what David says. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is commanding his soul to bless God. What is your soul? Your soul is your will, your intellect, your mind, and your emotions. When you come to church and you don't feel like praising because you've had a bad week, you go like, you know, I'm just going to stand here for right now with a long face. You know, I'm just going to be careful not to kick my bottom lip as I walk. You know, look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. And, you know, the, sa the sadder I look, the more sympathy I'll get from people asking me how I'm doing. People, you have a choice. You want sympathy or healing. You come into church like that. David says, bless the Lord on my soul. You make a decision with your mind, your will, your emotions, and your intellect to bless God, irrespective of how you feel or what you're going through. And that is why Pastor Jackie will stand, even if it's only for 20 seconds, during worship. And she will praise God no matter what. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That is within me. So if your body doesn't want to work with you, as Jackie's body has not wanted to work with her, she forces her body. Stand up. Stand up and worship the Lord my God. You will stand while I worship Him. She used to get up before she had the stroke. Some morning she'd wake me because she'd be doing like an Indian war dance next to the bed. And I go, what are you doing? She said, I'm commanding my body to dance. What? She said, dance, body, dance, dance, body, dance. I said, why? She said, because I don't feel like praising God today. You see, your soul is the center. The soul is the valve that controls the flow of God's spirit and anointing through your life. You can turn it on or turn it off. You make the decision. It's there. Your body will do what you command it to do. Or if you let your body dictate to you, then guess what? You're not going to get out of this thing. All right, are you listening to me? Okay, let's move on quickly. I want to get you out before three. <laughs> Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and he healed them. Isaiah 53 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Matthew 8, 17, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus healed in the New Testament because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him. Acts 10, 38, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power for the express purpose of healing the sick. We're trying to establish, is it God's will to heal the sick? Is it God's will to heal you? Is it God's will to heal Jackie? Is it God's will to heal me? 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sicknesses in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You may be seeing enough scripture already to know that it's God's will to heal you and your loved ones. In Mark 16, Jesus gave these instructions to the believers after his departure, he said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus to heal the sick. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus is upon us. And we are to do the same thing that Jesus did, was to heal the sick. Jesus never did a miracle before the Holy Spirit came upon him. So he was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So it's obvious that the Holy Spirit power is the miracle working power. And we are living right now in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. This is, the, this is the dispensation of grace. This is the dispensation where the Holy Spirit is bringing to us everything that Jesus provided 
on the cross for us. So can I stand in the gap for Jackie? You see, a lot of people say, well, you know, can I stand in the gap for somebody else? Now listen carefully to me. It's important that you have their consent. You must have their consent. If it's family, consent usually comes easy. And if it's your children, then you have authority anyway as the parent over the child. But what happens if it's neither? The Holy Spirit showed me this in Matthew 8 and verse 5. You remember the centurion that came to Jesus? And he said, my servant is at home. Sick. Remember that? And he said to Jesus, speak the word only and he'll be healed. Wasn't his daughter, wasn't his son, wasn't family, was his servant. Now I know servant, he he had some kind of authority over him. But nevertheless, he wasn't blood. And uh, we know that he got healed. So would you say this with me? It is the will of God God to heal the sick. sick. It is the will of God God to heal me. me. Now here's the problem. Jackie's symptoms during this time got steadily worse. I tried my best to deal with fear. I quoted scriptures like I don't have the spirit of fear. Uh, but of love and power and sound mind. I quoted scriptures like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And no weapon formed against Jackie will prosper. Um, I submit myself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from us. My shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of of the evil one. So these were scriptures. I have reams of scriptures with Jackie's name in them that I would read day and night, day and night, day and night. Over and above doing warfare with demon spirits every time they told me she was going to die. See, the problem was that I was staring at the symptoms 24-7. I was sleeping in the same room as her, turning her through the night. For seven months, I was the only caregiver, day and night. And if it wasn't for your prayers, I wouldn't have survived. At the end of seven months, I thought I was going to die. And I came to Cindy and I said, I cannot continue. I don't know how I was making it with so little sleep and such interrupted sleep. You see, I had to advise the doctors since Jackie couldn't talk on her condition. So I was the interaction between the doctors and her. So I had to tell the doctors exactly what she was going through and yet try and stand by faith and believe she's healed. So I was speaking out of both sides of my mouth at the same time. Very difficult to have a confession of faith when you're speaking to a doctor and say, no, she's healed. Don't worry. She's healed in Jesus' name. In the meantime, she's dying, and she needs medical help. So one Sunday morning, I was praying and preparing to come and preach. But I was overcome with thoughts and imaginations of fear of what it was going to look like without Jackie. And I would be alone in our beautiful garden or come to church and not have her sit next to me. And I said to God, I can't do this. Just being vulnerable with you. I said, I can't do this. I cannot pray. I am so done. I have no energy. I'm filled with doubt and unbelief. And this is... 18 months into this. And we had seen some small changes, but then deterioration again. And suddenly I heard my voice. Not the voice of the Holy Spirit, my voice. Speak to me. And said, if you're in fear, you're not in faith. And you can't receive. Okay, I don't need this advice right now. (laughs) You know, I do like talking to myself so I can have an intelligent conversation now and then. 
But but this was something that I had to deal with. Listen, I want to end the sermon. I've I've gone rather long, um, but it's important that I end on what I'm about to say. Do you want to do the old-fashioned visit to guest speaker where you stand for the next half an hour? The, the guest speaker says, I'm closing. Everybody stand and then continues for another half an hour <laughs> to, to give your butt a chance. Because if you can't focus anymore, your butt's too, too tired. How many want to stand or you just want to stay seated? Stay seated. All right, nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, he's, he's nearly done. Tell him he's nearly done. So when I was in this situation and I heard my voice say to me, you can't receive, the Holy Spirit in a moment of time reminded me of the ruler in Mark chapter 5. We can throw it up for you. The ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, that came to him, came to Jesus and fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and live. And while he was still speaking, some came from the rule of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? There is your first response. See that? Dead. Bad news. Bad news. What you were hoping God would solve, now too late for God to solve. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. The Holy Spirit showed me in a split second of time that Jesus actually commanded the man, commanded the ruler, Jairus, do not be afraid. Do you know, do not be afraid is the most stated command in all of scripture do not fear do not be afraid the most stated command jesus told this man jairus make a decision right now not to be afraid not to fear but to believe because jairus had just heard this bad news and his physical senses told him his daughter's now dead, and what happened is this bad news rushed into his mind. The physical senses, ears, sight, everything rushed into his mind, into the soul realm. And what it produced was emotions of fear and sadness and depression, which is normal when you hear that kind of bad news. But it would have cost him his daughter's life had he allowed those thoughts to continue. Jesus intercepted what was going on, and he commanded him not to fear. Listen carefully. This is very, very important. The battle is in your mind and for your mind. If Satan can take you captive in the thought realm, he will beat you. See, our imagination and our thoughts trigger the emotions of fear based on the information received by our five physical senses, and they will produce doubt and fear. If you cannot control it, it will rob you of your faith and of God's promises. So in that moment of time, I decided not to fear and to believe. I'm telling you now, listen carefully to me, it's a decision you make. Lindsay's amazing story of drawing a line in the sand. It's a decision you make, irrespective of what's going on in your life. You go, I am going to believe God. I'm going to live and not die. This is not going to beat me in Jesus' name. I am overcoming it. I am overcoming it. But the word of God says, by his stripes I'm healed. Therefore, I'm healed. He said so. You make that decision not to fear. So I refuse to fear. I will not allow it. And immediately, immediately in my prayer room, the fear left, depression lifted from me, and I received the peace and the joy of God. Why? Why? Because suddenly I had once again wholeheartedly 
decided to believe God's word. And I see in my imagination the result of the promised word, what God has promised. So I moved away from what I was looking at, the circumstances, and I put my focus back on God's word. And I said, I choose to believe God's word rather than the circumstances that are creating this problem and the fear and the doubt. I put the word back in its place. I put the word back in its place. And I said, I will believe the word of God rather than my emotions, rather than my five physical senses. Your five physical senses cannot tell you if you're in faith. They cannot tell you if you're in faith. Listen to me. Your five physical senses do not override the Word of God. Your five physical senses can't tell you if there's going to be a rapture or not, or whether to believe it. You believe it based on the Scripture. And since your five physical senses can't tell you whether there's going to be a rapture, why would you allow your five physical senses to dominate you and tell you you're not healed? It can't. It, they cannot override the Word of God. So I decided to believe, put my heart and faith back into it, and my imagination changed. I began to see, in Jesus' name, what the future looked like with Jackie. All right, I'm going to stop there for today. We'll continue a little more next week. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who walks with us as our comforter. He guides us. He helps us in every circumstance of life. And Lord, no matter what we're facing, there's an answer in the word. There is an answer. And we thank you, Lord, that by faith we access the grace that's been provided for us and every single need. My God shall supply every single need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. And with God, all things are possible. I pray for your bride this morning. I pray, Lord, that their faith would rise and an understanding of how to walk by faith and overcome the enemies of our faith, the fear, doubt, and unbelief, will become so part of their life that no matter what they face, they will come out victorious. I pray, Lord, that this word would settle in their hearts and we take authority over the demonic spirits that would like to come along and steal the word the moment it's been sown. We forbid it. We protect that word. We protect it in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and in the body of Christ and here at the Promised Church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for the journey with me. Um, there's a lot more to come. And I think, as you can see, I'm being very vulnerable with you. But in my vulnerability, I think you might see yourself understanding things that you've gone through and why perhaps your miracle has taken so long to happen, okay? And you'll be an overcomer. Let's all stand. All right, page 10 on my notes. No, just... <laughs> Laughter is medicine, amen? Yeah. Laughter is medicine. Um, I have my prayer team come down, my ministry team. If you need... Uh, Pray for anything, any type of agreement with you, more than happy to pray with you in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe God is doing mighty things in our life. If you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, this is a great opportunity. If you'd like to give your life to Lord Jesus, dedicate your life to Him, just come forward for prayer, and one of our wonderful prayer warriors up here and ministers will minister to you in Jesus' name. Just give you a moment. If those who want to come to prayer before I dismiss you, if you're coming for prayer, come on down real quick, and I'm going to dismiss the church. Anybody who wants to come for prayer before I let you go? Come on down. Come on down. That's it. Salvation, Holy Spirit, healing, whatever you have need of. Whatever you have need of. All right? Whatever you have need of. Okay. Whatever you have need of. All right. God bless you. We're going to continue with our series, and you're going to 
have an amazing change in your life. All right, have a great week. Walk in faith. Give the devil a rough time. If you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like getting up or you don't feel like doing something, remember Pastor Jackie, get out of bed and say, dance, body, dance. Amen? And let your soul praise the Lord in Jesus' name. All right, we love you. Thank you.